in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. Well, I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? You think Tom Brady wants to spend time with his family? I do. I think he does, but I think he wants to play football a lot. So we just, uh, we played it a minute ago, but Tom Brady on his own podcast said, it pains her, speaking of his wife, it pains her to see me get hit out there. And she deserves what she needs from me as a husband. And my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. Do you, I don't so, think he's done as a football okay. player. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Like, I see that quote, and I understand that quote, I understand and I believe it. that quote. Yes. But I don't believe that means Tom Brady is going to retire. Oh, I think he's got one year left, and he's going to play it. Right. One year in his contract. If you had to pick a quarterback who basically just showed up on Sunday, didn't practice the entire week, but just was like, I'll be there Sunday when we kick off. Tom Brady seems yeah. like the one that I'd be like, yeah, that's fine, Tom. No, I feel uh, like he's the one that has to prepare the entire week. Oh, okay. Like, he's not winning with just pure athleticism and random crap. He's got to be... Oh, I just assume he's playing entirely from the neck up. Right, and you got to be ready. You got to oh, okay. play the entire... You got to prepare the watch entire film. week. Like, I think, well, but he I can think do that with his do, wife. watch film at home. Yeah, but I think, like, Mahomes would be better at just showing up okay. because, oh, they're blitzing? I didn't know that was coming. Oh, well, I'll run out of it. <laughs> How can nobody tackle Patrick I know, Mahomes, I know. by the way? What's happening there? He's got that weird running style. We, and yes, we've been over his weird gait before. Yeah. But why can't he be tackled? Like he I understand, like a giraffe. I understand why you can't tackle Josh Allen. He's big and he He's will run thick. you over. Yes. Right? I understand why you can't tackle Lamar Jackson. He will juke you. Yes. Why can't people tackle Patrick Mahomes? Somebody somebody compared him oddly to Eli Manning. And if you remember watching Eli Manning, Eli Manning was not mobile. No. But he wouldn't, like, he he would just escape sacks. And they basically put it down to, it's being the youngest of three brothers. You're literally <laughs> just like, okay, I have got to avoid Cooper punching me in the head. What do you think? Matt LaFleur says he'd love for Aaron Rodgers to retire as a Packer. His quote, we would love for him to be a Packer and be a Packer until the day he decides to retire. Is that just LaFleur saying, hey, this guy's good. We want to keep him? I mean, I think it's the coach saying, why do I want anyone else, right? So you don't I read any more into that than, hey, no. the Packers are going to make an effort here to not just keep Rodgers for this next season, but extend him however long well, Rodgers wants to play. I don't know if Matt LaFleur is going to have any juice or power to do that. I just think he's the head coach saying, I have the two-time MVP. Why would I take a chance with Jordan Love at this point? Or, yeah, at this point, he's like, I've seen Jordan Love play. Yeah, exactly. Aaron, don't leave me, you <laughs> yeah, weird, not, weird man. It's just the coach saying, "Why? I, I've, I've got to have this guy. I don't know if he has in, in Green Bay. I mean, I think it's going to be decided above him what happens there. Who does have the power in Green Bay? I mean, Gutenkirst is the right. general manager. Is he, is he the one that's just calling all the shots? I think he's got more power than... I mean, I don't think LaFleur is one of these guys who has power over player personnel. It's not 51-49. 
No, it's not. No, it's not fifty-one forty-nine. Well, I mean, I think what we also have to take into account is there the millions and millions of Packers owners. That's no, right. that's, they, that's they the point. Yeah, gotta... the owners like Joe and like you know, three hundred section seat seven row five. I mean, he's gonna have a say in it. He's gonna say, "Get him out of here." Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Anthony Davis is probable to return tonight. He has missed oh, over a month. Uh, the Lakers are in Brooklyn tonight to take on the Nets. They're coming back to play a good team. Um, I don't think it matters. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Does this change much for you? No. no. They weren't very good with him. No, because he wasn't very good. <laughs> no, they weren't very good with him. He wasn't good. They lost games. Hey, I'm sure he'll get hurt tonight. He'll trip over somebody and go down. And I mean, he's just... I've never seen a star player. I've told you this before. Fall as much as him. It's very strange. He's he falls he's a lot. Prone. Yeah, he, it's like as a kid, he probably like was falling a lot as a kid. He's always on the <laughs> he's always on the floor, and it's not because he's diving for balls. There is some timeline somewhere where LeBron James, who's been very good for the last month or whatever, continues to be LeBron James yeah. and is very good. And Anthony Davis is actually the Anthony Davis that people were thinking, hey, he could be a top five player in the league. And the Lakers win the NBA title this year. That timeline exists somewhere. There's like a 1% chance it happens. I don't believe Anthony Davis is going to be any good, though. No, or I don't be not that good. Right, not good enough for the Lakers to, to make a difference. Maybe it's enough for the Lakers to, like, get out of the play-in rounds and they can, like, can they sneak into, like, the sixth seed or something like that at the end of the day? Yeah, you get what, like the Grizzlies in the first round? Yeah. Like it wouldn't be that crazy if LeBron and Anthony no. Davis played well and beat and the beat Grizzlies. Grizzlies. But they get to the Phoenix Golden State level. It's hard to see them beating Memphis, Phoenix, Golden State back right. to back to back, and that's just to get to the uh, NBA Finals. Right. So that the timeline exists where they both those guys are really good, and Russell Westbrook isn't uh, just the worst player on the face of the earth, and they win the title. But it's like less than one percent that happens. Yeah. Happy to move on to the to the next question here, Aaron. Saints owner Gail Benson says she doesn't know Sean Payton's plans. She said, we'll find out soon enough, I guess. I don't think any of us know, but he'll let us know <laughs> soon enough. Is Sean Payton just like I mean, not returning calls? Can you see the uh, caller ID Gail? And that's all it says. And he's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I don't think so. One of the funniest details was uh, Ian Rappaport's story on this like two or three days ago. Was about Sean Payton might retire. He hasn't decided if he wants to come back. Semi-retirement, yeah. And in there it said, uh, you know, attempts to reach Sean Payton were unsuccessful. <laughs> He's been on vacation, and some people turn their phones off on vacation. <laughs> Ian Rappaport wrote that. And so I'm like, did Sean Payton go on vacation and throw his phone in the ocean? And be like, I'm not talking yeah. to anybody. And like, what if Sean Payton's on vacation? Just phone is completely off. He has no intention of retiring. He's going to come back and be like, what? You think I'm retiring? No, I just didn't want to talk to you people for a couple of weeks. I'd love to know the amount of calls and texts someone like him would get for two weeks. Right? It's got to be an imagine? insane oh, amount. Oh, the texts and calls an NFL head coach would get just out of the blue, like a daily basis of texts from players and other people, and he's got the phone off? Yeah. You couldn't return it. him. You just return it on and just say, okay, just let's go from here. You can't, I can't return any of that stuff. He'd delete everything. That's why he threw it into the ocean, and that's why yeah. nobody can get a hold of him. He's not retiring. He's just on vacation. Next question. All right. I need help with this one. According to Sham Sharnia, the 76ers want to trade James Hard trade for James Harden in the offseason. Apparently, they're going to keep Ben Simmons, 
not trade him at the trade deadline. They're going to keep Ben Simmons because they think Ben Simmons is going to be a key part in them trading for James Harden. Uh, Harden has a player option in Brooklyn next year for like $46 million. So technically, James Harden could just become a free agent. Um, but here's here's what I don't understand. Even if James Harden does like a sign-and-trade, right? If he opts out and then does right. a sign-and-trade with Brooklyn, because that's the best way to make the salary cap work. Would the Nets even want Ben that's, Simmons? Why do the, Why would the Nets want to do this? What? It doesn't make any sense of why they'd want to. They might lose Harden either way to someone else, like you said, a sign-and-trade, because he's got one year left on it. But that's what you're getting straight up for James Harden? The guy nobody wants? Like, it doesn't make any sense at all that they would take Ben Simmons. Daryl Morey started off being like, we're not trading Ben Simmons unless we get a foundational championship piece, right? right? And then that turned into, well, if you give us a top 25 player, we'll trade Ben Simmons. And then last week he was on the radio and said, you know, we'd take a top 40 player <laughs> if it was the right fit. Like he's been, he can't get what he wants for Simmons. And now the report is, well, We'll get James Harden. We're going to get James Harden yeah. in the future. I'm, I don't understand. Nobody wants Ben Simmons for the price well, they want. And does James Harden want to do that to Philly? Right. And does I, he want to He's go to got Philly? a relationship with Daryl Morey. Right, so potentially he might be like, yeah, I really do want to play with Joel Embiid and under Daryl Morey. He might. Like, absolutely. But if I'm if I'm the Nets and James Harden is like, you know, I'm going to opt out and we're going to do this sign-in trade. You guys are going to sign me and then trade me to Philly and you'll get something back. If I'm Brooklyn, I think I'm sitting around saying, well, I don't want Ben Simmons. No. What am, what am I doing with him? You imagine telling Steve Nash that? You lost James, you get Ben. <laughs> Nash, what? Like, I don't want that guy. Nobody wants him. Like, well, sure, there are teams that have been interested in him. Teams have wanted him. Teams have made offers to the Sixers. But nobody wants him while giving up a top 25 no, player. No. Or even top 40, apparently. It's just, it's bizarre to me. I... I kind of get where Daryl Morey's coming from and the idea that, hey, Ben Simmons, we want to trade him and get a championship piece back because there's that small possibility that Ben Simmons in the right scenario is Giannis 2.0, right? Right, right? Small chance, but it's possible. So you don't want to just give that away for nothing and the Sixers can win a title. You don't want to trade him and just get a rotational piece that makes a three in game three of the Eastern Conference Finals and that's the biggest moment. But... At some point, you got to realize nobody's given you a star player for no. Ben Simmons. Like no. it's not happening. The Lakers are currently calling, go, going. You want Westbrook? <laughs> we'll give you Westbrook. <laughs> Great question. Byron Leftwich is going to interview with the Jacksonville Jags. Is Ooh. this too obvious of a hire? To be real, like this seems like he's an offensive coordinator, one of right. the best offenses in football. He's a former Jacksonville quarterback. Like, yeah. this seems like the most obvious head coaching match yes. in the league this offseason. More so than any that we've heard of. Yeah, it's, yeah. it almost feels like it's too obvious yeah. that it's not going to happen, yeah. that it's going to be, well, no, that made too much sense. Right? I, I, think, mean, I think he'd be good for Lawrence. Uh, I yeah. think he'd be great for Lawrence. <laughs> Incredible for Lawrence. Yeah. Because basically, people said that Tom Brady wasn't really under, like, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians weren't gelling until right. Byron Leftwich <laughs> came in and went, I'll translate I'll it take to Tommy. Yeah, I'll translate it to Tom. You you just handle your stuff. You handle the cursing. Uh, uh, we'll see. Nathaniel Hackett is getting a second interview with the Broncos. He is the Packers offensive coordinator. 
Uh, reportedly, Hackett is a finalist, along with Dan Quinn, who's the Cowboys' defensive coordinator, and Kevin O'Connell, the Rams' offensive coordinator. Those are the three finalists for the Broncos' head coaching position. Isn't Hackett a guy you would like? Isn't he one of these analytic guys? That's why uh, three or four people I know said, oh, you got to hire Nathaniel Hackett. So I don't know anything about Nathaniel Hackett. I would prefer not to know anything about Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Even if he's an analytical guy? Uh, maybe if he becomes a head coach, then I'll pay attention to it. My question on Nathaniel Hackett, and the same can be applied to Byron Leftwich. If you are a team like the Denver Broncos, who have Teddy Bridgewater, but they're probably going to draft somebody or something. Like if your quarterback position is very either unsettled or you have a bad quarterback. Do you really want to hire the offensive coordinator that was working with like an all-time great? Like, do you want to hire Nathaniel Hackett, who was, yeah, their offense was good. Yeah, you had Aaron Rodgers. Do you also get the all-time great? Well, that's one thing. If Aaron Rodgers is also somehow going to end up if he in loves Denver, Nathaniel Hackett, then sure, yeah. If if Aaron Rodgers was like, I love this guy, I'm going to find a way to Denver, then I would hire Nathaniel See, Hackett. That's a better package deal than it Ziggler is. and and Josh McDaniels. <laughs> I think it is, and I know nothing about Hackett other than people who like analytics, like you do, have said that's the guy got to hire. But if the package deal is Aaron Rodgers. And not Josh McDaniels, I would take that package deal over the one the Raiders apparently are interested in. So I just, but again, if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, what's Nathaniel Hackett going to do with Teddy Bridgewater, right? I like what's what's going to happen there. You're going to have to find another quarterback, right. and if it's not Aaron Rodgers, do you really think it's going to be anything special? I don't. I personally don't. I also would not want the Denver or the Raiders job because the Chargers and Chiefs are in the division, and right. I'm probably getting fired in three years. So <laughs> that's not ideal. Coming up next, we'll get into the Raiders. Andy said that uh, when you went on the field, he said, uh, when it looks grim, uh, be the grim reaper. I just uh, wanted to get your thoughts on, on you know, Andy's advice there and what you think of that as a possible nickname. Um, yeah, he, um, he, I mean, he shoots us confidence. I mean, everybody on this team, he keeps bringing you confidence uh, week in, week out, day, every single day. And uh, that's what he said to, to me. And I mean, he talked to everybody. He said, hey, we're going to go do this. We're going to get in full range. We're going to get points. I mean, he truly believes it. And when your coach believes in you that much, it gives you the, the belief to go out there and do it and execute it. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Do you think he really said that? I don't like, know, but it was a hell of a good postgame quote. It was a great postgame quote, but it's so chaotic in that moment. Like, there's 13 seconds. I'm sure he's looking at the at the card and, like, what to call and everything like that. Like, it was a great quote. Maybe he thought that, but to actually say to the players. Probably just confuse Patrick Mahomes. He'd be like, yeah, Grim Reaper, is that a is call? That, yeah, is that a call? Well, with them, it could be. <laughs> like, Grim Reaper on uh, 42 Blue. Okay. That means, Tyreek, you just run a, like a, a, a little post here and take it 40 yards? No, I do not believe that Andy Reid said that I don't in believe the moment. I don't believe not he said, hey, things are grim, but you're the Grim Reaper. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. I, it's too chaotic at that time. They're trying to get on the field and figure out what to do. But you're right. It was a great soundbite. It great is. Sound bite. It is. I Has that been said before? Like, did Andy Reid never heard that. steal that from somewhere? Because I've never heard it, too, and it seems like a quote that should have been said at some point in the history of time. Like, it, the first time, if when things are grim, be the Grim Reaper should not right. have been used By because Andy a team first scored time. a field, kicked a field goal after 13 seconds. Yeah. Like, that's not the time that that should have been used in the history of the world. But it's a great quote. That's There is currently some, well, back in the day of uh, good SI, somebody would be on. I'm going to find out where Andy Reid got this. <laughs> 
this saying because no football coach has ever said something original. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Football coaches are they take from the motivational posters in middle schools, like Jim Caldwell God. does, and tweets. All right. Some Raiders stuff here. Uh, Dove Kleiman tweeted this out. I wonder if now fired Mike Mayock will try to return to an on air role. The question is, will anyone hire him? He spent 20 years telling NFL teams who they should pick, what mistakes they're doing. Then his time came and he mostly failed, lost credibility. Who will listen to him? Do you believe that Mike Mayock lost credibility in the television analyst for football? Realm? There's just so many of these guys. I think he's going to get a job somewhere because I just think if not every one of these guys are right about everything each week, they pick the wrong teams. They say something's going to happen and it doesn't happen. That in the TV credibility world, does he go back to NFL Network? I'm not sure, but there's these guys. I mean, for lack of a better term, I'm sorry, is a dime a dozen. These guys are everywhere. There's, you know, these preview shows have preview game shows have like seven people now. So I no, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets another job in TV. I'll be shocked if he gets another GM job. That not, would be shocking. Yeah, he's not yes. going to get. He's not going to get that. But a TV job, guy who spent 20 years in business, probably knows everybody. I could see that. I could see them putting them on TV. Do we know um, which coach is on NFL Sunday countdown on ESPN? It's Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. Uh, David Carr has a job on yeah. NFL Network. Like, quite possibly the worst quarterback resume for a guy to play more than, like, one year. Like, quite possibly the worst quarterback resume in league history. You don't have to be good at things in the NFL um, to be on television. To then talk about them no. on television. No. The Hasselbecks are the two quarterback experts right. on ESPN. W- w- one Super Bowl appearance between the two of them. Hey, that's pretty good, actually, for most analysts. <laughs> like, you don't have to have been good at no, as be a television. GM or a head coach or a player no. to A, get a job. But B, to explain what's happening. Like, you don't even have to have played the game or have been a general manager to know Cleland Furrow wasn't a good pick. <laughs> exactly. We knew that when it happened. We will not pick we... up his option. <laughs> like, you don't have to have done. Like, football and all of our sports are not so complex that you have. There's that there's only like five people in the world that know what's right. happening. It's not that complex of a situation that's going on here. Mike Mayock, if he wants it, would probably get hired right away to go back to being an, uh, a TV analyst yeah. for the draft in front offices or whatever. Well, who I'd in the world him. wants to evaluate 32 teams anyway? They'll be like, yeah, bring this guy yeah. back. We don't want to spend the time doing all that. I'd probably hire the guy. He was he's go- he was good at that job. Yeah. And the other part of this, they made a lot of mistakes. I think the roster's bad. I don't think Mike Mack did a great job. They made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like... This isn't like they went four and 12 three straight years. They did it one year, but it's not like this team was god awful when Mike Mayock took over as general manager. They made the playoffs. They were, I mean, basically above 500 team the last two years and made the playoffs. Again, I don't think he did a great job. I don't think the roster is that good, but again, they didn't, they're not the worst team in the football, no. right? Like they were an average NFL team for the last couple of years with Mike Mayock's roster. So the idea that he, failed so hard that he couldn't get a job, I think is one of the dumbest things yeah. I've heard. I'd listen I listen if if Mike Mayock's breaking down the draft, I'll listen to Mike Mayock. I will too. I'll I wanna, be like, well, I want to know who has the bubble butts. Wouldn't want to know who has the bubble butts and also we'll make fun of him and be like, yeah, you also drafted Cleveland Furl. Like we'll absolutely make fun of it. But I I'd listen to Mike yeah. Mayock. I'd pair him with somebody that literally would go, Well yeah, but you also drafted <laughs> Cleveland Furl. <Farrell. laughs> 
You drafted Cleveland Farrell. You, yeah. you drafted Damon Arnett. <laughs> come on. Come on, Mike. So, I no, I don't think there's any chance that Mike Mayock has lost so much credibility that he can't be paired up with David Carr or Rex yeah. Ryan to break down the NFL for us. Like, it's not that high bar to clear. When you, I mean, hell, who's the number one uh, TV analyst in college football? Kirk Herbstreit. Kirk Herbstreit, yeah. What did he do in his career? Was he any good? I think he was a backup at Ohio State. Right. Like, and he's like the number one yeah. analyst that ESPN uses for college football. You don't have to have been good at the sport right. to ascend at this level. You don't have to be Peyton Manning to be good at this. You can be good or you don't even have to be good. Just get the job. You don't have to be good at it to get the job. You just exist in the realm of football and say you're interested and you'll probably get a job. I mean, Dick Vitale has literally been almost unlistenable for 20 years. And uh, yeah, he's still he's still breaking down games. Well, he's actually not calling not, Duke, North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, OK. Uh, seven throat surgery. <laughs> I'll be quiet over he's, here he's for a little bit. He's done. He's done. Turning for off year. my own mic. He's done. Jesus, for the year. Jared. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not uh, up to date on Dickie V. <laughs> Did you not watch the game at T-Mobile where it was his first game back after what? Chemo that he went yes, through? Yes, he went through chemotherapy. I didn't even know. Okay. <laughs> mic off. <laughs> Dick Vitalis had a not great last couple of years. And Jared's like, this guy sucks at calling basketball games. He spent 20 years not knowing what he's doing. He's having throat surgery. Okay. I wish he and was we looked at each recovery. Other. We looked at each other when he's saying, I'm like, uh, wait a minute. It's Dick Vitalis. Hey, not everyone knows. You got you to you have to have read it. That's or watch that game at T-Mobile Arena where yeah. they were all crying. I, I actively avoid him. <laughs> Or be Jared over here and just at any moment be ready to bury <laughs> Dick Vitale with criticism. What did, wait, what did Dick Vitale, when's the last, he coached, right? Coached Detroit, Detroit Mercy. But like a but again, really right. long time ago. But again, another example of a guy who wasn't very good at that, who became yeah. the voice of college basketball for like Jared said, like two decades. Yeah. I mean, two decades. So and your point, became, we're not invalidating your point, Jared. No, not at all. Just probably the wrong guy to pile on at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Boomer at ESPN is one of the worst football <laughs> analysts I've ever seen, and he definitely didn't play well, the game. Well, let me ask you this. Do you like Walton? I mean, I... He's I, completely out of his mind, which is the best thing about yeah, him. Yeah, like, he doesn't care what's going on no, on the court. No. I, like, I like Bill Walton as long as I don't actually care about the results of the game. Correct. Like that if, he, is, was, that if right. he was broadcasting my favorite team, I'd be infuriated. Yeah, but if it's just a game you're watching, like a yes. UCLA game late at night on I, a Wednesday, I it's think he's hilarious. Yeah. It's phenomenal yeah. entertainment. Yeah. But if I was a UCLA fan, I'd be like, can we get somebody that's just going to like, you know. Tell us what's happening. Tell me or, they ran a ball yeah. screen here right. and why that guy got open. Right. Like, I'd prefer that. But if it's, yeah, if I don't care who's playing, yeah, Bill Walton's yeah. great. Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. In my mind, I live for those kind of moments. You know, I would have loved to have been taking a knee up three scores, but uh, it's a whole lot more fun when you got to make a play like that to win the game and, and uh, just steal somebody's soul. You know, that's what it feels like sometimes where they're sitting there going, man, we just had this great comeback, and uh, you get to reach in there and, and take it from them. That's, uh, that's a whole lot of fun. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. 
Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Read his work at For the Win. All right, Charles, which fan base's misery do you enjoy the most? Oh, Packers fan. It's hilarious. Uh, I don't know what's better about like the Packers losing in this manner. Uh, I was talking to my buddy, Justice Muscat, who I've known for years and we've kind of grown up in this industry together. And he's a, a big-time Packers fan. And, oh, man, like I was letting him have it the entire game. Uh, because, you know, see, the thing, about, the thing about Packers fans, or at least the ones that are like, really into it, is they kind of see this as like the Packers being good is just like supposed to be a part of NFL legacy. So like justice is going around saying, uh, <laughs> he was going around and saying that the Lombardi trophy was the birthright for Packers fans. And <laughs> look, they've only won what? They've had 30 years of policy and quarterback play and they've won two titles. And I think they've been to three. And I think Aaron Rodgers has only been to one himself. So, uh, yeah, that, fan base losing to Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty funny. Also because, uh, you know, they were saying that, <laughs> oh, it's so cold, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo won't be able to throw the ball. And that was honestly true. Like, he wasn't able to throw the ball. He had a really terrible game. But uh, I think they kind of forget that it being cold is not really a great thing for their own passing game in general as well. And they lost, and we get to drink their tears like Carbon did with Scott Tetterman's parents <laughs> on a South Park. <laughs> okay. In the AFC, if you are not a team that has Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, or like Justin Herbert, like those five teams, does anyone outside of those five teams have a chance to like even make the Super Bowl in the next five years? Uh, no. I. Uh... And well, I don't know, because I, I, I'm inclined to say no, but then we have to remember that the Chargers didn't even make the playoffs this year. But I, th- I think moving forward, uh, with, with Justin Herbert especially, like if you're talking about like this is what it looks like in year two, uh, where you're going on the road in a game where you got to have it, you're converting like six out of seven, four downs, and they're all through the air, and none of these things are uh, easy throws, then it's, it's pretty easy to see where uh, the uh, – you know, where, where the potential ceiling is on that. And, like, with Lamar, too, obviously they didn't make the playoffs this year, but I think with with the Ravens, uh, we all saw at the start of the season how Lamar was playing. I think there was a good stretch where people were saying maybe he's getting back into the MVP conversation. So, you know, I think with, with Justin Herbert and Lamar, uh, just because, like, they aren't here, you can't forget, like, hey, we're talking about one of the most talented arms in NFL history and a guy that is, Two years from moving from being a 22-year-old unanimous MVP. So, like when you look at the AFC, uh, like you said, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, Herbert, and all these guys, like they're still young. Like I, I want to say, uh, Mahomes is the oldest one at 26. So, you know, we're still in for another decade of uh, these guys coming in and running the AFC, and you know, it's kind of cool to me uh, because you know over the last you, you know, let's say call it like, you know, five, six, seven years. We've uh, seen a lot of Titans at the quarterback position kind of move on with Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger's out, thank God. Tom Brady sounds like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tom Brady sounds like, uh, you know, he's heavily considering retirement, Philip Rivers is out, so uh, we're kind of getting this new guard into the league, and I think 
what's kind of cool about that is, like, most of the guys I just mentioned were in the AFC with uh, the exception of Drew Brees for the, most of the, for the most of their career. I think it's cool that we're getting these young guys stepping up in those spots and also playing the game in such a more dynamic way than they were ever playing it, really. All right, Charles, where do you stand on overtime? And if you don't stand on what we have now, what would you do? Um, well, I think it's I think it's frustrating, and I, I think it's frustrating. I think the NFL should be a little frustrated too because, uh, you know, like you're you're having a game that, you know, my dad is almost sixty years old, and he, he looked over me the other night and said, "That was the best football game I've ever seen." Like he's been watching football basically his entire life. So, uh, I, I think when you're the NFL, you need to start looking at it. Uh, in terms of, like, is it fair? Yeah, I, I guess it's fair because this is what the rule mandates, but I think the NFL is kind of, like, robbing themselves of all-time moments at the same time because, like, let's just say or, – or, well, I'll, I'll frame it this way. I think it's a good problem for the NFL to have when the overtime debate is being structured around, I want more football, I want more of that. Uh, I think that that's something that – they should be heavily investigating. And quite frankly, I don't take the sides of fans very often, but I think if fans are looking at this and saying, hey, we want to watch more of that, and I don't know how you could blame anyone for doing that, uh, I think it's, it's more than okay for the NFL to consider a tweak to the overtime rules. And I think that uh, my buddy Deontay Lee probably put it the best where, you know, maybe it's not 15 minutes, but you just do an extra full quarter, you know, 10 minutes, uh, eight minutes, what have you. Uh, and then like, let's say you go through the first overtime period and there's, uh, and there's a, uh, a tie, then you play sudden death after that. But uh, just, I think it would make sense for the NFL to tweak it. And I think just treating overtime period as, uh, you know, a full, extra period like they do in basketball, uh, probably the NFL some good. Well, is that one game enough to change it then? Do you think they change it just based off that one game? Shoot, they might. I mean, how many times has Tom Brady or Peyton Manning got a real change off of one little instance? So uh, I, I think I, I think with the recency bias of this game where, you know, you see people who are ranking these games and saying, oh, you know, this is the top five, top three games of all time. Uh, I think we were talking about a game of that magnitude that had the players of that magnitude playing at the level they were, like with Josh Allen and Mahomes just blacking out. I think that is something that uh, they will consider. And, I mean, I think you also have to be realistic <laughs> and realize that, you know, for every uh, you know for, for every Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, sideboard quarterback duel that looks like that, uh, you're going to get 99 games where you would – Pray that the sudden death rule will come back, but uh, I think it's kind of worth it where you can get a moment like that that's extended, and you know you're just kind of filling in like the lines of NFL lore with a game that that impressive. Are you at all excited to watch the 49ers play another football game? Um, no, but I am excited. I, I wouldn't say excited. I'm interested to see like they can keep pulling this off because if you're a 49ers fan, the end of that game, as good as it feels, uh, has to be a little troubling because, you know, by the end of the game, you've got like Trent Williams banged up, Eagle Samuel banged up, George Kill banged up. Uh, we already know that they were dealing with injuries to Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, although Fred Warner didn't seem like he needed any help to do anything. 
uh, last week. So, uh, you know, this is a talented team. I think we kind of undersold that or forgot about that a little bit during the season. But uh, I'm, I'm, I, I think at this point, they're just too banged up. Uh, and, you know, that, that game last week against Lamb, against the Packers, it's not like your offense really contributed much to winning the game until, like, the very last drive. So I don't think they're in a great spot. But, hey, like, Kyle Shannon appears, appears to have this thing kind of locked down in the, in the postseason. Uh, since he's been the head coach of the 49ers, the only game they've lost in the postseason is the Super Bowl. So maybe he's got something else up his sleeve uh, next week against the Rams. I mean, it was in Cincinnati, and, and Burrow and Chase had to go completely crazy, especially Chase. Um, any chance they can go to Kansas City and do the same thing? Uh, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, I, I think one thing with the Bengals that's kind of interesting to me, like it's, it's really just a, a theme of their, like a larger theme of their season is uh, I'm not sure how much Zach Taylor helps them. Like, because a lot of it seems to me, you go back to let's say the uh, the first game against the uh, against the Chiefs and Burrow scoring these long touchdowns, but they're not like a result of scheme. They're really a result of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and these guys just being supremely talented uh, football players. Uh, you know, you go back to the long touchdown he had over the head of Daniel Sorensen. That wasn't a scheme thing. That was a, a, a chief safety playing like a knucklehead thing. That was, uh, and then you go back to the one where you know he's running through and weaving through the middle of the field. If someone takes a better angle on that, you know, someone else can cut that down, but. Mark Chase is such an excellent, excellent player that I think that he's kind of covering up uh, some of the coaching deficiencies, especially the clock management stuff with Zach Taylor uh, towards the end of the half where he just gets totally scared, even though he has the most explosive offense uh, in the NFL. So, you know, I think that the Chiefs have the coaching upper hand in this game. It's going to come through in the AFC Championship game. Well, he is Charles McDonald. Again, follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Read his work at For the Win. Charles, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Charles. I really liked his point about people wanting more football in overtime, yeah. mainly because the other sport we talk about changing overtime rules is baseball. And they literally said, let's put a runner on second so we can wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> Major League Baseball is trying to find a ways to, all right, how do we stop playing this sport? But in football, people are like, yeah, I want to keep watching this. All right, coming up next, we'll get into some baseball because we had some actual news on the negotiation front. I think it's just a reload, you know, like it is every year. For us, free agency will be our guys. See how many and that we can get back and then build the team from there. Always look forward to that part of it and, um, and the draft. So... Yeah, each year is so different and so new. Last year was uh, to get everybody back. It was amazing. And um, doubt we can do it all again this year, but uh, we're sure going to give it our best. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. You optimistic we're getting baseball? <sighs> on time? Not on time for spring training, no. no well, Not on time no, who cares training. about that? Regular season. We're getting 162 I'm still, starting I'm still on optimistic time? about that. I'm still optimistic about that, even though the biggest biggest hurdle remains on the table. Yeah, so yesterday the Players Association and the owners met. Uh, they will meet again today, back-to-back days with meetings, progress. Uh, according to The Athletic, though, yesterday the Players Union dropped their request to shorten the time it takes for players to reach free agency. 
Uh, this was one of the biggest disagreements between the owners and the players association. Uh, right now, players need six years of service time before they can become a free agent, which means you've basically got to spend six full seasons in major league baseball to become a free agent. And given that major league baseball has a much longer path from minor leagues to the professional ranks yeah. than most of our Takes sports, forever. you normally don't make it to the majors until you're 23, 24, you're in your 30s before you get to full time. It's, it's a big deal that Carlos Correa is 27 as a free agent, right? right? That's a massive deal. Right. Everybody's like, wow, oh, a young free agent, right? So that's something the players would like to change, but apparently they dropped that yesterday, which means the biggest topic that's still on the table it's is, always the biggest topic. is revenue sharing. Yeah, it's always is the biggest topic. who's going to get what cut of the money. Apparently the owners haven't actually given any sort of counteroffer. They've just said no, no, no to anything the players suggest about revenue sharing. So that's still the biggest topic that remains to be resolved. But if the players are dropping the uh, service time free agency uh, plateau they want, then potentially, I mean, do you take that as optimism as, hey, one thing is off the table, so they've got less things to agree on before we can have baseball I mean, back? they have less things to agree on, but I never I never think it's progress until the owners make up their minds. Yeah. Because I just think the owners rule this, and they are they can hold out longer, and they usually are always, always the ones who win. Yeah, and that I think is, to me, because the other part of this, at least according to this reporting, maybe it's different of actually what happened in the room, but the players dropped the, their free agency request. And as far as we know, they didn't get anything in return right, yet. Like yet. this wasn't a, hey, we'll drop this yeah. if you give us blank. This right. looks more like a, hey, we're going to drop this and hopefully you'll give us some other stuff that we want. But it doesn't appear as though there's any promise there that that would happen, which seems like, A, a mistake by the players, and B, no real reason to think there's going to be progress on the important part here of what the revenue sharing no. is going to look like. No, I don't think there's going to be progress on it just because they dropped this. Because, again, the money is always the most important thing to the owners. And if you have, as David Ross said, if you have some owner in there <laughs> saying, listen, the pandemic's hit us hard. I have to pay for the security guards. I think the owners are a long, long way away from relenting on the revenue sharing. Right. That they're is, actually saying those words. Right. That is not a real conversation to be having. You're no. not negotiating when you're just complaining about how much money you had to spend. No to have security guards or to pay for COVID test or whatever they had to do during the pandemic. That's not, you're not negotiating. You're just complaining that eh, my life is hard and you guys should give us everything yes, you want because exactly. my life is hard. Cause so I like, lost a hundred million, but I'm worth a billion. Right. There's a very easy counter argument to that, by the way, it's that some of the best players in the sport are not making a million dollars because they're 25 mm -hmm. and they don't get to be, they have to go through arbitration and they don't get to sign a real contract until they're 30. Low thirties. Yeah. But you got to feel for the owners. Do you know how much insurance on a Ferrari is? <laughs> but in a weird way, we laugh. But if they're talking about security guards, they probably have that in the back of their minds. Yeah. Billionaires are very, very strange. Yeah. yeah no, you don't, you don't become a billionaire by being a nice, normal person. No. no. Yeah, you, you, be don't. you become a billionaire by stepping on yes. people. Yes. What if you become a billionaire by fake chickens? Uh, and then at some point you bamboozled someone to buy a chicken at a woefully inflated price. No, at some point it's going to be six fifty nine. I said, I think I'm going to say, well, I guess I'm going solo. <laughs> this guy didn't show up because it appears the chickens have made him so much money 
that we'll never see this guy again. What was the amount you could have won on a race? What's the, the, what's yeah. the most amount you could have won on a race, like, ever? Chicken races? Uh-huh. Well, chicken know. races just no, started. Uh, They're only doing... All right, oh, all right. Horse. Horses? Uh, well, they did the big tournaments where you won, like, $25,000. If you won it. Yes, but individual races are significantly less. You're talking, like... A couple hundred? Yeah, they've done $100 races, which would have had, yeah, about a $500, $600 payout to the winner. So, But they've done tournaments where if you win the tournament, you get, like... I think it was $25,000, if I remember correctly. We did not. We qualified for one tournament and lost in the first round. But, uh, yeah, I, we, you could have won a couple thousand. But also, you can race your horse, all, like, all the time and right. win, you know, 50 bucks every time he races or something like that. You can also buy and sell the things. That's how we right. made most of the money selling our horses. But, yeah, we're going to be rich off chickens. Just wait till I tell you about the next NFT we're doing. Oh, it's great. We're not doing that now. It's going to take too long to explain to you two, but it's great. It's going to be phenomenal. I really... Has it already begun? Uh, we own them, but it hasn't actually started. Is it run through the same people? No, no. Completely different people. Completely different game. It's going to take a while to explain it, so let me ask you another baseball question. No. <laughs> Universal DH. <laughs> Universal DH. Because, okay, here's what I find funny about the lockout and the nego- the negotiating. Like the players want free agency and the and revenue sharing and all that. From the fan perspective, we're barely going to notice that type of stuff, right? Revenue sharing we changes. Care we, about that. we won't notice, but that's what's important because sure, they want to get paid. Yeah, the minor things are what we're going to care yes. about and pay attention to. Like, is the universal DH coming? Even though that's viewed as a very low priority yes. when you're talking about well, who gets all these billion dollars. And also expanded playoffs. Expanded playoffs. How many teams are going to make the playoffs? Those are like minor things, but those are the things from the fan side that we're going to be like, ah, the pitchers don't have to hit anymore. Ah, I get into the playoffs as an 82-win team. Like, those are the things we're going to pay attention to and care more about than whether or not a guy hits free agency at 25 or 27. I mean, look at a kid like the UNLV kid, Bryson Stott. He isn't up there yet. He'll soon be up there, supposedly. But then six years later, Bryson Stott. Six years later. He'll be in his 30s. Six years later. Yeah. It's incredible. And he is, I believe, the Phillies' number one shortstop prospect. Yes. Yes. Oh, he'll be up. What do they have? Uh, They have a Didi Gregorius is like have a one-year deal or one year left on his deal. He could only be a year away. But again, he's played at UNLV for a while. I'm guessing what is he like 24? I'm just kind of putting my He's been in the minors a few years. Yeah. I think two years in the minors already. So, yeah. That's Bryson Stott's a great example. If he's great, he'll be a free agent making $100 million in 10 years. 